0: Welcome to the J-Dove podcast, where inspiring speakers share their Jewish dream, observation, or vision. I'm Shoshana Boyd Gelfand, founder of J-Dove, and our guest today is Rabbi Dr. Reb Mimi Feigelson, who has several titles as she wears numerous hats. She is the first female Orthodox rabbi. She is an academic at the American Jewish University in Los Angeles and she is Rebbe to her numerous rabbinic students at the Ziegler Rabbinical School and around the world. Mimi's talk explores the taboo subject of death, and in particular, the period of Aninut, that time between a person's last breath until the covering of their grave. She argues that this brief period belongs to the dead, not to the living. By becoming the playwright of this drama and planning our own funerals, Mimi asks us to claim our funerals as our final sacred drama in a talk entitled From Scared to Sacred, On the Cusp of Life.
1: Life is a dance, a pendulum continuously moving between the scared and the sacred. We need the sacred to embrace the scared. And truthfully, we can get scared when embracing the sacred. Ariela crossed over. That is the phrase I use for what other people call dying. Ariela was 19 months old when she crossed over. She changed my life. And I hope that by the end of our time together, she will change your life as well. Her funeral was officiated by four rabbis, four rabbis of multiple denominations, multiple genders, multiple life experience in the rabbinate. Therefore, really the least relevant of all the details. Four rabbis standing, dressed in black, near a coffin this size, you would think they were protecting a goal and they were a soccer team. The first one stands forward and says, this is a tragedy. And I say to myself, for this, someone pays dues? The situation is a tragedy, but we're not bearing a tragedy. There's a child here. The second stepped forward and says, when well, we have nothing to say, we turn to Psalms. And I say to myself, and we have what to say? We don't turn to tehillim? Is tehillim a filler when rabbis are at loss of words? The third chants Psalm 23, the generic psalm for funerals, lest we forget that God is our shepherd. And the fourth steps forward and introduces Aharon, Aaron, and his silence after his two sons offer a foreign fire and are taken in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle in the Mishkan. And I think, hmm, silence, great intuition, proof text, failing. It's a good thing you're not in my life cycles class. It's a good thing I don't teach life cycles. I'm beside myself. Then the parents on the other side, dressed in white with their two children under the age of 10. The father steps forward and starts to speak of his daughter's service. My daughter's way in Judaism. And describes how she would say amen at the Shabbat table after kiddush and after hamotzi. And I say, rabbis, listen. She has a service. She says she says amen. Don't listen with your head and tell me she doesn't understand what that means. Listen with your heart. When we all sit at our Shabbat table next week, next Shabbat, and we say kiddush and we say hamotzi and everyone answers amen, Ariela's amen will be echoing. And then her mother steps forward and says, I want you to know my daughter has the holy soul. And I'm thinking, Master of the World, you're breaking my heart right now. Her father brought her to her funeral. And now her mother, not only a body but a soul. She goes further and says, And I stand in front of you, God. And I bow down before you. And I thank you for depositing this soul in my hands. And I ask for joy and strength because I'm a good mother and my children need a good mother. I ask you for joy and strength. And then turns to Ariella, promises she'll take her with her wherever she goes. (sighs) I'm beside myself, the holiness of her parents, Her father bringing his daughter to the funeral. Her mother bringing her and God to the funeral. And the ritualizers, they brought a rabbi's manual. They brought a tragedy and a generic psalm. The next thing I know without even a moment to breathe, she's lowered into the ground. And I want to scream, are you crazy? Do you think you can bury a 19-year-old child the way you bury an 80-year-old man? Can you bury an 80-year-old man who is a Shoah survivor, a Holocaust survivor, the way you bury an 80-year-old man who's five generations in the UK or five generations in the Americas or five generations in Israel? My friends Miriam and Nachman, they laid their son, Yuda Eli, to rest in Yerushalayim. He was five at the time. Nachman got in the grave and was handed his son and laid him to rest the way he would lay him to rest if he fell asleep in the car on the way home. That's how you lay a child. Sing to her. What was the lullaby you put her to bed with? That's how we lay a child. So I ask you, because the question at hand right now is, do we ask ourselves, what is being buried, or who is being buried. The halakha, the Jewish law gives us guidelines how to bury a body. But I want you to know that in my eyes, that is not an efficacious, or a felicitous, or a sufficient funeral. The question is, not only what body is being put in the ground, but who are we burying? One body, five different people. One woman, an aunt, a mother, a sister, a teacher, a lover, a partner, a wife. One body, five, six, seven different people. Siblings don't have the same parents. Birth siblings don't have the same parents. So who are we burying? Bar- and I want you to know that actually there's a secret in our tradition, a well-kept secret. The period of aninut, the period that starts with the last breath of a person until the covering of the grave, that we call aninut, actually belongs to the dead, not to the living. Mourners are called inheritors. They're not called avilim until the covering of the grave. And what are the implications, what are the practical implications of walking with this realization that our funerals, till the covering of the grave, are our property, or our possession. Not the mourners, not the community, not the institutions and the establishment. They belong to the dead. I want you to think for a moment about rituals as a sacred act. And I want you to think of a funeral as a sacred drama. And my question is, My question is, who writes the script of this drama? Who is the playwright? We all have roles when we come to a funeral. In the first act, the dead, the met, they are the main actor. And the rest of us are supporting actors. Those obligated to bury the dead, the family, they come as obligated to bury the dead. And the rest of us come as escorters to escort the dead. The grave is covered. The body is no longer visual. And we enter into act two. And in act two, the dead and the escorters change their roles. The dead has a new costume, it's called a tomb. The escorters have a new costume because now we're a comforters to the mourners. And the mourners are the main actors. Truth be told, Except for the myth, except for the dead, we all share one role. And that's the role of the understudy. We are all the living, or all understudies for the dead at a funeral. We all flash to our funeral, to the crying, to the tears. I return to ask you then, who writes the play? Who's the director? Who's the producer? Who casts the actors? I'm here to ask you to claim the totality of your life, and all that belongs to you until the last moment. I'm here to ask you to punctuate the last sentence of the novel that you have written with your life, your autobiography that no one else could have ever written, not one word of it, the poem of your life. I ask you to punctuate it. And if you're asking, yes, my funeral, it's all written. List of nigunim, list of chants, I want people just in white, uh, no crying, it's not a sad moment. I'm going home, finally, ultimate home. I want women to feel comfortable to carry me. My tombstone says Reb Mimi. Miriam Sara Batfred Leo Moshe it Says Reb Mimi and the name of my parents that brought me, my birth parents. It doesn't have a last name because I have a soul family and I want my soul family to stand present and feel comfortable. No last name. These are examples. Examples, Ariela's two funerals I consider it to be. The funeral of the rabbis and the funeral of her parents. Yuda Eli and his parents Mir Menachem. A little bit about my funeral. That's not the issue here. The question is your funeral. What is your funeral going to look like? Are you going to claim ownership for your funeral? Who are your primary mourners? Who is your soul family? Who are your soul mourners? How can your funeral reflect and affirm your life and your life choices? Will you allow your loved ones to really be mourners, to be able to lay you to rest without questioning, what did they really want? How can we really honor them? Can we allow them to be mourners with the gift of taking responsibility for our funerals? And I know, that this can be daunting to think about this, to talk about it. I hope now we have a language to begin to think. So I'm extending this invitation to you to move beyond the scared into the sacred of your life, to claim the sacred of your life. Don't let scared deny you of the sacred. If you have a financial portfolio, it's time to have a spirit portfolio. It's time to have a soul portfolio. Once a year, you have a physical annual. Once a year, have a spirit annual. Open up your funeral as it's described. Is this still how I want to be buried? Fold it up and put it away. And if not, are the actors still capable of fulfilling their roles? And if not, then there's a conversation to have. On the cusp of life, from scared to sacred, our tradition grants us the totality of our lives, from birth till the covering of our grave. Will you claim your life in its totality? And yes, I trust that if you know how you want to be buried, you know how you want to live. L'chaim, l'chaim.
0: Thank you for listening to this j podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. To watch over 100 other talks on video or to download other podcasts, please visit our website at jdove.org.